Boise State for the win. They hand it off to Johnson. Boise State has won the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Can you believe it? Andrew Dowdy, Chase Kitty on the High Motor Podcast back this week. Now approaching four weeks until college football week zero kicks off. Last time we talked on the show, it was only three games scheduled for week zero. We started at seven, dropped down to three. But as of a couple of days ago, now we're back to four games with Oklahoma moving up that Missouri State game uh, one week to week zero, citing reasons to give themselves kind of an extra bye week in case something were to happen health-related. And ordinarily, who gives a shit, right? But I think that a lot of shits are going to be given for this game in particular because there isn't a whole lot of other excitement in Week 0. I mentioned Marshall, ECU, but whenever you get Lincoln, Riley, Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler, a lot of eyes are going to be on that game. But if this game happens, I think a lot of shits are going to be given because hopefully it means that football is happening this season. It's also Bobby Petrino's return to college football. And when Bobby Petrino gets his ass kicked by 90, everybody wins. Before we hop into some betting stuff here, I want to ask you because you can talk about more about Missouri State, that you know the state of that program, the FCS in general. Do you think he'll win there? Do you think he'll win at Missouri State enough to get another? Let's be honest. If if he goes ten and whatever, ten and one in the regular season, he gets offered another job in the FBS or Power Five. He's going to take it. I mean, he's made that very clear. He went to Western Kentucky, basically saying like, I want to be here. I'm going to be here multiple years or whatever the lingo was, and then bailing after one year. Do you think he'll do good enough where he's going to get another job after this? Here's what I would say. You don't have to do very well at Missouri State to do well at Missouri State. It is a not a very good program. It, it's, a, it's a nice little basketball program. I like watching them play basketball. Their football team, uh, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of what a good comp would be to like an FBS school. Um, they're not good. They're, they're in the Missouri Valley, which is where North Dakota State plays. So... Already, you're playing at a disadvantage where it's extremely unlikely you're going to compete against the top of that conference, let alone you know North Dakota State for conference championships. But they're not really even in that like second tier or the third tier. They're consistently in the bottom two or three teams in the conference. They're not good. They they haven't you know really been relevant. They had one nice year a couple years ago under Dave Steckel, who is now the outgoing coach. I thought Dave Steckel did a good job with that program, and we're talking about a team that was like in their good years, four and seven. So if Petrino goes six and five, a low level FBS might like, and I mean Akron's not going to change head coaches again. Bowling Green, that type of program might give him a call. If he makes the playoffs, he will win National Coach of the Year and have a job offer like that day. Like it, it's, it's just not a program where you really accomplish a lot so i mean competing for a winning record would be a big accomplishment there we're going to talk college football betting on the show today we haven't done a betting episode or even really a betting segment i think now in several weeks maybe several months if you haven't listened to the show since we've done one of those either an episode or just a segment or you don't follow chase a kitty on twitter at chase a kitty I'd recommend listening up to this one. If you are a betting man, listen up to this uh, whole episode we're doing today. This man is both extremely good looking and knows his way around a sports book. And, sir, I want to start with win totals because this is something that we've talked about 
several times, maybe a couple dozen times on the show over the last couple of years, in that you're very selective with your win totals. And now this year, things are even more weird because we were just talking about before we hopped on the show, we don't think that any win totals are active. We can go back and look at what they were when they first dropped uh, you know, three, four, five months ago. But as far as we can see, unless you're looking at some obscure book or some private betting or something, they're not even active right now. What is the status of those? Did you bet on any win totals before all this dropped? Yeah, so months ago, I had put in a couple. Uh, I, I Really, really early on, like kind of right when the lines came out, I, I studied for a week or two, and I made a couple of smaller bets. And right now, just everything's empty, right? And... and they should be. If I was hired as a consultant for a sports book, I would tell them, clear the books, no action. Like, just wipe everybody out. Because, I mean, we don't know how many games are going to be played. So, I mean, in the simplest terms, if you're looking at, I know earlier, uh, like late spring, you and I, were we talked a little bit about this, and we talked about Texas A&M uh, as sort of an interesting uh, bet for the season win total, because they're so they're 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 approaching punchline like material right now but actually the over for their win total is kind of a, an interesting bet this year and and we can go back and find that audio you know months and months ago but my point is we if you don't know how many games Texas A&M is going to play this season how do you then offer a win total bet like it just it doesn't really make any sense so Right now, as far as I can tell, most of the, like, the public books, they're, they're all wiped out. If you have a bookie somewhere, awesome. Maybe, maybe he's, you know, if, if it's, you know, some guy in an alley somewhere or like a local bookie, maybe he's got some kind of action for you. But, but the big time brands that offer a lot of these uh, bets, they're, they're not really available. Going back and looking at what the line, so you did you bet on Texas A and M? It looks like it was at nine and a half. Did you yeah, take I did that a little over? Bit, yeah, I, I I bet a, a small amount, small for me. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a huge bet. What was the other one that you took? Uh, I think it was Cincinnati again. And you took the over on that, and I think we actually had talked about that offline, or maybe it was on the show where it was crazy low. I think it was an eight and a half or a nine, maybe for a team that could very well before all this hit, have gone 12-0 and entering the conference championship game. I think it was like 8 or 9 or 8.5 maybe. It was low, yeah. And not only, I mean, you say how many games are going to be played, not only that, but what type of games are going to be played. I mean, we've seen already with cancellations across college football, specifically with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, we'll see if the ACC finally does follow suit in canceling non-conference games. But in wiping out those type of games, those lower-level games, I mean, most most Power 5, most Big Ten, most Pac-12 teams are going to go, you know, whether they have, I guess, SEC, we could also talk there too, 2-1 and one or 3-0. and oh. Most teams are going to do that. You'll have some that go 1-2 and two, maybe a couple that go 0-3, but I would say the heavy majority are going to go 2-1 and one or 3-0. and oh. Now all of a sudden you're taking out those games in the Big Ten. If they do go to 10 games like has been largely talked about, you're suddenly maybe swapping like a, I don't have the non-conference schedule off the top of my head here, maybe you're swapping a BYU, Miami of Ohio, and FAU, with one game against a Penn State or one game against a uh, Michigan. So not only are we talking about what number of games we're going to be playing, what type of games are going to be playing. Do you think when we get further clarity here in the next week and a half, I mean, even Big 12 was talking about they might not settle on a schedule or number of games here for another week and a half or two weeks. Once that finally happens, do you expect some of these books to offer those win totals again, or do you think they're going to stay far away from this? I think it's possible. I think a lot of books probably have the, 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 a lot of the big books probably have the resources to go. 
okay, if they end up doing this, we can hang a line here. If they end up doing this, we can hang a line here. And they, they sort of if-then themselves to a complex web of potential totals where they eventually lock in one as bettable once the actual schedule comes out. But I, again, if I was advising books here, and, I, and I'll give pretty much the same advice for the other side in a second. If I was advising books, I would say at this point, we're a month away from September. You know, we're, we're five weeks away from September. We're a month away from games. We still don't even know what the schedule is going to look like. We're just not going to have season win totals this year. And it sucks because it's, it's one of my favorite futures to bet. I'm really good at betting them. I make a lot of money betting them. But at this point, how do you, how do you in good consciousness do this when every single day the news about what is and what is not and coronavirus and sports and scheduling and all this stuff, it's all completely ridiculous, up and down, unpredictable. We started the day today. We're recording this Monday. Uh, we started the day in the news cycle talking about wings at a strip club in Atlanta. And then like 45 minutes later, a quarter of the Marlins clubhouse had tested positive for coronavirus and there's two canceled games and it's it's just all over the place every day. So I don't know how you can try to set a number. I mean, if casinos make money and sportsbooks make money by controlling the odds and constantly leaning things in their favor, I don't know how you do that when you can't control the day-to-day. You know, there's no normalcy. So... I would just keep everything off the board. I spent the last like minute and a half trying to remember this, and I cannot believe I can't remember it. What, what was the win total bet you took? I think it was in 2018. It was college football, where I think you bet a massive, massive amount on it. Was it West Virginia? It was. It was West Virginia six and a half. It was twelve grand. What was it? Twelve? Jeez, fucking Christ! Was that the biggest win total bet you won? Yes. Didn't you put a whole ton on the Cubs back when they won the World Series too? It wasn't when they won the World Series, but it was uh, it was two years ago, and it was just it was just a season win total. It it was it wasn't even me that did a lot of the legwork on that bet. It was uh, it was a friend of mine who just kind of gave me a tip at the last minute, and I locked it in for about four grand. And then last year I was on because uh, I always have one big baseball bet. Uh, so last year was the Rays, and then this year it's it's uh, Oakland. What is your level of concern or what, what risk are you weighing with that? So once these do these college football games do schedules do come out here in the next couple of weeks and if the Big Twelve is saying we're playing twelve games, so you have a full twelve game schedule for Oklahoma and everybody else in there, are you gonna take those with the type of confidence that you would take an MLB win total bet with? Well, I'm not taking anything this year with the normal amount of confidence. Uh, I, I think what people have to understand is when I talk about leverage or when other, when other, you know, I don't, I, I don't like calling myself a pro, but I'm not a, I'm not a square either. So for lack of a better way to put it, when other pros talk about leverage, what you're talking about is finding angles or grooves that you can exploit that are not detectable to a lot of people. But in order, in order to make those assumptions that, that you have a play on something, there has to be some sort of assumption of underlying normalcy, that things are going to operate as they usually do. And we just don't have that this year. So, I mean, going, going into the baseball, I don't want to get super mathy here, but going into the baseball stuff, when you talk about baseball, some of the meta behind baseball and betting baseball is that it's a really, really long season and that people have ups, and that people have downs. And it, for individual games, you can exploit when people are up or when people are down. 
but for the whole season, somebody over 162 games, a team is going to be who they are most of the time. And you're, you're basically betting on the law of large numbers. But for a season like this that's really short, that's 60 games compacted into a relatively small amount of time, you're going to have a higher degree of variance. And so my strategy going into baseball was, okay, can I find ways to assume or bet against small numbers in a vacuum in a small amount of time? And that's why I went against Oakland. That's why I went against Boston and a couple of other teams. It's harder to do that with football because just the structure of football and how it works is much different than that. It's much more it's much more in a vacuum. Coin flips can decide entire seasons. Baseball isn't really like that. It's about large numbers. So the strategies are a little bit different. And going into football, I think it's going to be a lot more about who's healthy that week, uh, who's playing, who's not. I think traditional wisdom says, you know, you bet on a game early in the week, especially if you're betting a favorite. Bet them early because as the week goes on, the number's going to get bigger and bigger and you're going to have less leverage. I think this year, all that is turned on its head. You want to bet the game at the very last minute. You want to find out who's going to be playing or not. You might make a bet on Tuesday thinking you know how a game is going to turn out. And then you get to Saturday and there's 25 people out of the game with coronavirus. So there's all of these mechanics that I think are irregular that you have to consider when you start talking about gambling on football or gambling on other sports this year. Uh, but that doesn't mean that some of the regular underlying mechanics are different. You still probably want to bet dogs most of the time. You don't want to be slamming favorites all the time. So there are certain things that are the same, but there are a lot of principles that are probably new too. And we're only, what, three, four days into this uh, baseball season as we're talking here again on Monday. What if you, you've been betting on individual games in baseball thus far, correct? Yeah, totals and sides. Have you learned anything in terms of, I know that home field advantage doesn't work exactly the same in, in baseball as, as college football, but have you learned anything through this small sample size of where books are setting the lines and giving, giving any sort of runs, I guess, for, for, the, um, for the lines? Are you learning anything from that and setting some sort of strategy for how they might approach college football? Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think one of the things, and again, it's really early. I've seen, you know, basically one long weekend of baseball so far. So I don't have a lot of information yet. I think one of the things I've noticed is that with, with some exceptions, with the obvious exceptions, if you follow baseball even a little bit, you'll know the teams that I'm talking about, the Dodgers, the Yankees, et cetera. With a couple of exceptions, I think they're really hesitant to hang big lines because they don't want to get beat up, uh, by all the chaos, you know, Chaos and all this coronavirus and stuff, all it leads to is the likelihood that underdogs are going to win more. So they don't want to hang these crazy lines where the public can go, you know what, I'm just going to bet a lot of dogs and let's see what happens because it's weird right now. Uh, so I think they've been really uh, sort of hesitant to do that. I'm looking down uh, the, the card right now for tonight's games, and I know people are going to be listening to this three days after, so Monday's baseball lines aren't going to mean anything for our our listeners later this week. But like right now, uh, I'm looking at the Royals and the Tigers, and it's, you know, they're they're both, uh, neither one of them are are plus rated odds, you know, so that's a pretty even uh, game when you talk about baseball, minus 117, minus 103. 
Uh, the Mets against the Sox, you got minus 108, minus 112. Cubs-Reds, which is a pretty solid game in the NL Central. Uh, the Cubs are minus 124. The Reds are plus 104. So, I mean, it, it basically the whole card looks like that tonight. And maybe it's just because we've got, you know, evenly rated teams early on in the season. But I think it's just as much about pe- the, the books are really hesitant. They know they have an even thinner margin for error right now than usual. I don't think they want to give up a bunch of big plus rated odds that they can get beat up on unless it in, it's the Dodgers or the Yankees or maybe the Astros and they just have to hang those big numbers to, to chase the what public off from betting. principles of yours? Here, let me, let's start by, I want to ask this question by this way. What do you bet in a normal week, in a normal college football season? Like, how much money per week? It it, it definitely varies from week to week. You know, some, some weeks I might like a ton of games, and I might throw out, you know, eight $500 games and then have a bunch of little bullshit elsewhere. Uh, you know, I... I I do the the two thousand dollar parlay every week, so that's that's not me putting a lot of money up, but it is a lot of money on the table that I could win back. Uh, so I'd say like an average week, it's probably somewhere between two or three grand, but it, it does just depend on what's on the docket and what I can get because I, I think one of the things that um, that square betters do is that they're just excited to bet, and so they go okay. I'm going to bet $2,000 every week. I'm going to bet $1,000 every week. I'm going to bet $100 every week, whatever their number is. And they're just excited to bet. I don't want to bet. I don't want to gamble. I, I just want to I want to find places where I can win. So it's not necessarily about hitting some number in my head. It's not about I want to risk X amount of money. It's about how many strong investment opportunities, winning opportunities do I have this week. And we're still a ways out, and obviously we've talked about this on the show today and before, and everybody who's listening to this knows we don't know what's going to happen with the schedule this week, even though that we're still a ways out here. What do you think that number is going to be? I know it's not a number each week, but where would you guess, like on a three-week rolling average or something, where you're going to settle? How many games do you think that you'll be comfortable with, especially throwing down some of the bigger bets? It's definitely going to be way smaller than usual. I I would say especially the first the first few weeks of the season, I would be surprised if I'm hitting a third of what I normally hit. And that's a big disappointment for me because I think consistently September is my best month historically where, where I've really done my homework and I'm coming out of the gates and I know exactly where I want to go. You know, almost like, uh, almost like football teams have scripts for the opening drive of a game. I kind of almost have a script for the first couple weeks of the season where I know exactly the spots that I want to hit. I know the games I've studied for. And I mean, I, I come out in September and I'm hitting 70 or 80%. And then over the uh, the rest of the season, I still think I do pretty well, but I don't do nearly as well as I do that first month. So it, it it's unfortunate for me to have to say this, but I'm saying it on principle. I'm saying it because you have to be conservative right now with everything that's going on. If you come out of the gates in September just because you're excited for sports and you're excited to bet, you are opening yourself up to the possibility of getting absolutely destroyed because it's so uneven right now. So what are the principles that do exist? You briefly touched on that, and even though that number each week is going to be significantly smaller, what can you still carry over in terms of betting strategy that you've been using for the last X number of years that has won you money into this season, knowing that there are, I mean, you could place a bet on Monday, and we've talked about this, what happens if the Clemson offensive line is just out. 
I mean, do you think that before we get to my first question, do you think that sports books will take off lines if that were to happen, or are they just going to leave it? Like if if three starting or three of the quarterbacks are gone, or entire offensive line is out, or like half the defense is out, think they'll leave that bet up if that happens? Well, most sports books will already take stuff off the board under normal conditions. If say a a, a key player, a quarterback is questionable for the game. You know, if if you're looking at NFL lines and Drew Brees is questionable on Tuesday, the sports most sports books are not posting a Saints line until they know what's going on with Drew Brees. So that already happens. So you magnify that by, you know, 10 or 20. If you're talking about entire positional groups for key public teams that you know people are going to want to bet, they will not hesitate. They won't even take them off the board. They'll never put them on the board to begin with. So yes, absolutely. If if there are even rumors about we don't know what's going on with the Auburn defensive line, we don't know if the first or second string can play, we might have to go find our guys that played, you know, they're on the offensive line now. They're second string guards, but they played D-line in high school for two years. We're going to have to plug them in. They'll take them off the board, no problem. It, they, they won't even So play. what is the carryover if there's any in strategy and principles that you typically use week to week, whether that's what metrics you're using or your you know personal gut or whatever it is, what are you basing this season off of? How do you, how do you make money doing what you've been doing for so many years in a season like this? Well, like I said, there are certain principles that, that that still apply, I think, even regardless of what's going on right now. And one of them would be you buy low and you sell high, right? So if you see a team that's playing well and they've won three or four games in a row, you have to know that the value on that team in terms of their public perception and in terms of where they're being handicapped is going up every single week. I think historically, if you were to go back and look at data across all years, teams that are on big win streaks, their ATS record gets worse and worse the deeper they go into the win streak because they're getting more and more and more valued. And so they are becoming harder and harder to back. And that's exactly what Vegas wants. They want you to go, well, you know what? Uh, Tennessee, they've won seven games in a row. I think they're going to go for eight. I'm going to bet them again this week, knowing that hey, if you're actually paying attention, they might be you know they might be seven and zero the last seven games, but they're only three and four against the spread, and that's because the, their their value is getting lower and lower as a handicapped team, even if they are winning games. So you always want to buy low and sell high. You want to find value in teams that are bad, that are overlooked, that are that are undervalued because they're bad, but they're not quite that bad. You want to find teams that have losing records but are still live dogs. You want to, and this is the tricky part, but you want to identify moments where a team, uh, maybe they messed up in a high-profile spot, but that's not who they were, right? That that was, sure, they lost the game, but that's not who they were. Maybe they, you know, maybe they're Michigan and they played a big-time rival, and they lost because that's what Michigan does when they play rivals. They lose. But they're going to come back the next week and play Northwestern. And they're going to beat the shit out of Northwestern because Michigan tends to beat up on the lesser teams in the Big Ten. They have a good ATS record and a good straight-up record against bad teams in the Big Ten. So it's just that stuff that you know and you internalize. 
You want to buy low. You want to sell high. You don't want to come in on teams late. I think a lot of that is not really affected by coronavirus. If anything, it might even be more valuable information. I think a lot of public betters, I think people, I think even public betters are going to be a little conservative this year, I think in a lot of ways. But I still think they're going to come home to those comfort foods of Clemson, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, LSU, I think especially early, even though I don't think they're going to be very good. They're the reigning national champions. So they're going to have public support. I think those teams are going to get a lot of tickets early, maybe even more so than usual, because people are just looking for something they trust in this land of craziness. Uh, and, and that's that's going to be dangerous. I would be interested at the end of this season, assuming we get to play a season, I would be interested to look at big public teams ATS records this year versus previous years and see if see how the they compare over years. Because I, I wouldn't be surprised if they are juiced just a little bit extra on the book side this year uh, so that they could fade uh, the, those teams that the public might really want to bet. Last thing I want to ask you is is about those futures, and we're not seeing any win totals out there right now. But like for example, on Bavada's page, uh, they have three different futures bets: uh, who's going to win the Heisman Trophy. You know, two dozen players listed there, led by Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields at three seventy five and four hundred apiece. Everybody else kind of just buried Jamie Newman twelve hundred, Spencer Rattler twelve hundred. Uh, anyways, and then there's the the college football national championship. Uh, you know their their usual suspects there: Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, leading that. Clemson, Ohio State, uh, two twenty five and three hundred respectively. Alabama at five hundred. But the question here I want to ask you is: there's a bet for which Big Ten team will win the most games, and Ohio State is clearly the heavy favorite, minus two fifty. You don't have anybody until Penn State at Wisconsin until seven hundred. And then Michigan, 1,100, Minnesota, 16, and then everybody else buried down there. Do you ever take bets like that? Would you be more or less inclined to take something like that right now, given that the Big Ten has already announced a plan, even though we don't know if they're going to add that 10th game, or would this be a total stay away for you? Yeah, I'm just not really interested in in stuff like... I mean, I wouldn't. I don't think take that bet normally, just because I'm not... I'm not dialed in on the Big Ten like some other people might be. Uh, but even right now, I just don't really want to bet anything that far away, to be honest. That's just so far away. I don't even know if there's going to be a season, let alone who's going to have the most wins by December. So, I mean, I, I was I was, I was was listening to somebody that I really trust a couple weeks ago, and he said, look, I'm not betting anything that's more than 72 hours away. Like, I'm just not interested in that. Now, I've obviously broken that rule personally with, with the baseball bets that I have, but I think there is some wisdom in that, in that we don't know what's happening tomorrow. So how are you supposed to evaluate a bet that cashes or or doesn't cash five months from now? It's, it's just kind of crazy, and I think the smart play, the wise play, the conservative play is to just be very, very careful and very selective about where you put your money right now. And remember, you can always tweet betting questions to Chase at Chase A. Kitty. He's a kind man. He'll probably respond to you or at the show at High Motor Pod. And we're going to get deeper into specific betting things as we get closer. If those win totals do come out, uh, we'll have Chase break down why you should or should not take those. And then, again, now we're sitting here recording this on Monday, about four and a half weeks until week zero. Hopefully we get those games played, and hopefully we get a bunch of games after that, and we can talk about specific betting things 
each week. Thanks for checking out the High Motor Podcast. I saw a friend today, it had been a while. And we forgot each other's names. But it didn't matter, cause deep inside, the feeling still remained the same. We talked of knowing one before you've met And how you feel more than you see And other worlds that lie in spaces in